0: she's tori
1: and he's nick
0: and this is i want to rewatch
1: an x-files podcast season 2
0: episode 14
1: die hand die verlettes in this episode in a small town teenagers mess around with witchcraft in the woods getting one of them killed Mulder and Scully are called to investigate the death and its ties to local rumors about occult activity. Scully thinks people are taking local folklore too seriously, but mysterious things keep happening and Mulder is convinced that something supernatural is going on.
0: Mm -hmm. That seems out of character for Mulder.
1: Yeah, it's super weird for him. This episode was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong and it was directed by Kim Manners.
0: It was filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia.
1: Its original air date was Friday, January 27th, 1995. And the previous week on Friday, January 20th, they ran a rerun of Blood.
0: The vampire episode.
1: <laughs> the non-vampire episode, <laughs> which was better than the vampire episode. So I
0: can't believe it's not vampires.
1: I know, it's a bummer. All right.
0: So viewership for de, de Verlitz was 17.7 million in the United States, which is up 3 million from last time and becomes the new most viewed episode of season two by any metric, blowing past Aubrey's $16.2 million three weeks ago. Nice. Yeah. So we open, and we see a seal, and we also see the little text that tells us this is the parent-teacher committee of Milford Haven, New Hampshire. Live free or die. And they are having a vote, and someone says, all in favor, and then the other voice say, Aye. And then we get inside and the man leaving the meeting, who we'll learn is Jim Osprey, says that starting on Monday, the track will be closed to joggers at 8.30 p.m. instead of 10 p.m. So they kind of okay. And then they get ready to close the meeting and he asks for new business and there's not really. But then one man who we'll learn is Pete. He has glasses. He chimes in and says that he got wind that for the high school musical, Howard Roberts intends to put on Jesus Christ Superstar. Jim is like, I think Howard just wants to get in with the kids. And then a woman, Deborah, she doesn't think the play is appropriate for this school. And then Paul, the other guy at the meeting, so there's four people at the meeting, he says, well, if he wants to get the youth, they should try Greece or Annie. And then Pete's like, but doesn't Greece have the F word? And so he says, I'll talk to Howard. I'll talk to Howard. So they adjourn the meeting. But then Jim asked Deborah to lead them in a prayer. And Paul is like, but the game is on. Pete's like, hey, it only take a minute. And we letting this go. So Jim asked Paul to close the door and he lights a tall red candle. So Paul gets up he closes the door and he locks the room. And so our view is from the outside of the room and we see the door and we kind of see like a little bit of light coming from the room. So they start doing their prayer and as they do their prayer the light intensifies and it turns reddish orange and starts pulsing behind the door. So I'm going to read the prayer right now. But there are some German and I'm not really sure why it's German, but it is, so I apologize in advance to any German speakers. There are actually subtitles on screen when the German is spoken, and we'll talk about those afterwards. So In the in name, the name of, the of the Lords of, darkness, darkness, rulers of the earth, darkness, rulers of the earth, kings of the, of the underworld, I command, command the forces of the darkness to instill their infernal powers upon me. Sein Istahan, de Verlitz. Sein Istahan, de Verlitz. Sein Isterhat, Namens Hurler. Sein Isterhat Namens Hurler. May the black powers of our forefathers make us strong. Hail, 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 hail the lords of the darkness!
1: <laughs> and then we get the theme song.
0: <laughs> and then we get the theme song.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I gotta say, Jesus Christ Superstar is the only Andrew Lloyd Webber musical that I like actively enjoy. I've seen Phantom a couple times, and like I think it's good. Like when you're there at the theater, but like it's not one that I have the soundtrack to on my iTunes kind of thing. Whereas like Jesus Christ Superstar, I have a couple different soundtracks with different actors. But I'm also a Broadway fan, so I think that's just something that people like me do.
0: I'm pretty sure the only Andrew Weber that I've ever seen, or probably even heard, I may have heard a little bit of Lame Is. He, he's Lame Is guy, right? No, he, he's he, not Lame he Is. Okay, no. well, I'm going to strike that. So <laughs> then I'm pretty sure the only one that I've heard is Fan of the Opera. I actually saw it in LA in 1991. Nice. I want to say it was in November, which means I didn't see the Michael Crawford version because he had stopped in April of 91. Yeah. Someone else took over. So if I saw the program somewhere.
1: Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those shows that's like, it's really cool to see it on stage, but the music just, I don't know, I'm never really, I don't know, Andrew Lloyd Webber just isn't my jam, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'm one of those people, so at that time in my life, I was like, so I knew I was going to go see it, and so before we went, I read the book, I watched the original movie with Lon Chaney, and then I also had the music, and then, so.
1: Oh, nice, so you did your musical homework.
0: Yeah, and my book homework. Yeah, so I had to think for a while when I anytime a book was made into a movie, I would make sure I read the book before I went and saw the movie. So
1: I used to do that too. I've kind of stopped because now I'm like, well, I don't know if I really want this background, which like there's a
0: (laughs) (laughs) well, for one, the book is usually better,
1: usually, yeah,
0: yeah. The best conversion I've ever seen is actually The Accidental Tourist, it's basically. The book is the script. Like, you can basically read along as you're watching. They just cut out a couple scenes because of time. And then they flip the brothers' names. But it's, like, dead on. Like, it's wow. a freaking book. It's pretty good. Yeah, nice. It's a good book, and it's a good movie. So, yeah. So, the German, Sein ist der Hand die Verlitz, is the hand. It's translated as the hand that wounds on screen. And that's what you usually see. When I translate it, like, it doesn't work if you try to go back to English. It doesn't come up being... Verlitz again but if you say the hand that injures it does so I'm not really sure I don't speak German I don't know and then the second part is his is the place called hell Mm -hmm. so yeah and then of our PTC group Deborah was Dr. Braun in Born Again and will be in one more episode and Paul was in Pilot where they actually spelled his last name wrong and he was in Gender Bender And he's going to be in two more episodes, and then he's also going to be in two episodes of Millennium. Nice. Yeah, he was like, he was a patrolman and pilot, and then he was just like a random agent in Gender Bender. Okay. So, yeah.
1: Not super meaty parts.
0: No. Yeah, and I think most of his parts aren't super meaty parts. They're just kind of like, I'm a dude standing here. Probably, I'm not even trying lines. I didn't go back and and look and see what is, who he actually was. So, I'm done.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I should think of something clever to say. I don't have anything clever to say. I'll just move on. (laughs) The next episode, too, has a lot of people who were in previous episodes. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So then we're in Milford Haven, New Hampshire, and there's a group of teens. There's two girls, Andrea and Kate, and two guys, Dave and Jerry. And they're walking through the woods, and it's a rainy night, and the girls have umbrellas. And Jerry has a bag full of beer. And he gets up next to Dave and he like whispers to Dave, he's like, you get Kate, I'll take Andrea, which, you know, they're teen boys. Yeah, they're both teen boy things.
0: Jerry is especially gross and probably needs witchcraft to get a girlfriend. So, Um,
1: Probably. Yeah. So they reach this hollowed stump and it has like a candle kind of melted onto it. And Dave asks everyone for a personal object. And then Jerry lights the candle. And Dave directs the girls to stand in specific places. So he has Andrea facing Jerry and kate facing him and then kate kind of asks, she's like do you really believe someone used this place for black magic and dave's like yeah you know it's all spooky and cool and then he reads off this paper and part of what he says is like in the name of the lords in darkness rulers of the earth kings of the underworld rise rise to this place which yeah doesn't sound like a good thing to be shouting into woods. <laughs>
0: It's fine. It's fine. I'm
1: sure it won't actually do anything. Magic isn't real.
0: No, unless you invoke a specific name or something, then you might be in trouble.
1: Yeah. And so then there is a name. Az- oh Azazel. Azazel? Is that right? Azazel? Am I saying it right? Oh God. Don't come to my apartment. Pazazel,
0: um, pazazel. <laughs> da, 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 da. I don't
1: know. But he stumbles a bit with the name. And as he says it, the candle goes out. And then Dave keeps reading, like, know ye all who dwell and profess righteousness that others who know the keys and the angels have opened the gate. And there's this moaning that starts. And the teens kind of start looking around anxiously because obviously a random moaning in the woods is not a good thing. And mm-hmm. Andrea clings to Cherry, And then we hear like uh-huh. voices yes. that start to chant in this other language all around them. And then Andrea notices rats at her feet. And so she shrieks. And she panics and she runs away and Dave tosses the paper and it incinerates and they run after Andrea and Andrea's like reciting prayers as she flees. So she's like, you know, Oh Lord, I don't know prayers. So I can't come up with one, but like, that's what she's doing. Yeah. I don't know if she was
0: reciting actual prayers or not, but yeah, it was, yeah. But just stuff like, you know, Lord
1: protect me, God protect me, you know, that kind of thing. And the voices are still going. And then Andrea gets through like a, a, some trees and then like. Jerry's right behind her, and this spout of fire shoots up from the ground, and it blocks Jerry from escaping. And then something grabs his throat and strangles him.
0: Yep. You don't have to run faster than the monster. You just have to run faster than the others that you're with.
1: Yep. So, yep. <laughs> Rule yep. of zombies. Just, you know, be faster <laughs> than everyone else, or one other person in the group. Yep. And, you're...
0: and Jerry was gross, so good job, demons. You saved Andrea.
1: Yay! The demons <laughs> are the heroes
0: of our I mean, episode. I don't
1: know. I mean... He's a teenage boy trying to get some in the woods. Like, I'm not saying he's a good guy, but... He was gross. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's 8.55 a.m., and Scully is in the woods, and she's bent over a body, and we see her, like, kind of almost like, I guess, from, like, the body's point of view, sort of, because then she drops a plastic tarp that was covering it, and Sheriff Oaks tells her that a hunter found the body in the woods early this morning, and so Mulder is standing nearby, and Scully's like, well, it couldn't have been dead for more than 12 hours, And Sheriff Oak says, they say this area is used for witches' ceremonies. And Mulder's like, they? And Oak says that everyone who lives in the area knows the rumors. They say a group of people control everything. And so Scully asks if there's any evidence of that. And Oak says to look at the body. The eyes and the heart have been cut out. And Scully points out that plenty of murders involve body desecration. Tori notes in her notes that they literally just came from a case where a man was killing to desecrate bodies. And it really creeped her out and so she's not wrong of course now she's not creeped out so i guess she's better and oak says that these kids listen to heavy metal and satanic music so had to be satan Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yep and then oak shows them a hollow stump and tells them that it's rumored that this stump is used for an altar and Mulder kind of walks over and says well make a nice coffee table with some like some turquoise inlay or something like that and then scully finds a paper bag with some beer And then, like, a half-burned paper nearby. And we assume it's the paper that Dave was reading from. And she asks if they know who Jerry was out in the woods with. And Oak says they just assumed he was by himself. And Scully says, well, most people don't come out into the woods to drink two six-packs all by themselves. The scrap of paper appears to be from a book. And the title seems to end in, In America. So... Scully says she's surprised that Oaks' people overlooked it. Oakes apologizes and says that they've all been a little rattled. That's why he called the FBI. He grew up here, and he could chalk it up to rumors and imagination until today. He promises he'll check the libraries and find the book that the page belongs to.
1: So after he leaves, Mulder tells Scully that she better hide her Megadeth albums. And Scully says it's stuff like that that makes it hard for her to take Oaks seriously. But Mulder points out the body did have a ceremonial presentation and Scully's kind of surprised she got the impression that Mulder didn't believe Oaks either but Mulder's like well I didn't want to incite the man's imagination but he does think there's a weird feel to the place and there might be some truth to the rumors and Scully thinks it's a case of a murderer taking advantage of local folklore and then as they're talking Scully's holding an umbrella and something like pelts the umbrella and then we see it's raining toads or frogs or something, little amphibians are <laughs> pelting against the ground. And they like croak and hop away. And Mulder's like, you were saying something about this place not feeling odd? And then they leave and they're careful not to step on any of the toads. Yep. Which, I don't know, I love frogs and toads. So I was like, oh, and I love the idea of raining frogs and toads. I thought it was cool. It was a cool scene.
0: No, it's a good idea. I like it. Um, I'm also, like, look at Mulder learning from experience. Like, maybe he learned it from Eve because he's, like, seriously looked dismissive when he was talking to Oaks. So kind of good. He's not, like, leading people on anymore. So that's good. And like I said earlier, Scully got over her dead body thing pretty quick. But she's still trying to do that criminal minds thing, and she's not good at it. She needs to leave that to Mulder, like, trying to decide, like, what killers think and how they behave. Because She's not good at it. Um, I think they're toads. I'm not sure they might be toads. She says they're toads.
1: They look like Moroccan green toads to me.
0: Yeah, they're a little bumpy, which is pretty much the designation for toads. Like toads mm-hmm. are like supposed to be bumpy, and then they're usually more inland. Whereas frogs more stay with the water. They're kind of bumpy, but I honestly don't. I think it would have been better to just go with frogs because I mean it's plague of frogs, right? Yeah. But yeah, maybe toads just sound witchier. So yeah. yeah,
1: I do. The only reason I think that. They're toads, because I had toads, and they look really similar to the ones that I okay. had.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're kind of bumpy, so they could be. I mean, I can't tell.
1: Yeah, and frogs tend to be super aquatic, and toads are more like hopping around the ground. Yeah. They do hang out in the mud a lot, though.
0: Yeah, toads are a subclass of frogs, so all toads are frogs, but not all frogs are toads.
1: Nice. So. Yay.
0: Yeah, the sound mixer does need to do a better job, though, because like when Scully's like, "Molder, toads just fell from the sky... It totally, you can totally tell that that was recorded like in a studio or like it was definitely recorded not on location with the rest of the dialogue because it just totally sounds like different than everything else.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm not that great at my job, but I think I could have done a better job than that. So, <laughs> don't worry. And then we are at then we are at Crowley High School. Yes, Crowley High School. So Mulder's at the library counter looking through the card catalog and he finds a card for Witch Hunt. History of the Occult in America by M.R. Krzyzewski. And while he's pulling up the car, Scully comes over and tells him that the National Weather Service reports tornadoes in Massachusetts. And so the wind probably picked up the toads from the storm. So we had to know that because, you know, God forbid something could happen that doesn't have to be explained because we're all dumb and couldn't figure it out. So turns out the book, though, was checked out on January 16th, 1995, to one, Dave Duran. So...
1: Are you going to say any of
0: your notes? I mean, the whole Crowley High School thing is just like, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I kind of wrote my notes when I was angry and I'm not angry anymore. So I'm kind of like, I mean, Crowley High School. Oh, yeah, fine. Ha ha. Funny Morgan and Wong. I mean, I'm kind of glad this is, we haven't got to that part yet, but this is our last episode for some time. So yay, because this is not written well. card catalog they put quotation marks around the book title that's wrong You italicize or you underline would have been underlining then because they're using typewriters but yeah anyway it's also not a real book but that's to be expected so yeah yeah whatever i just don't get like the frogs were a cute scene and like you don't have to explain everything especially in a show where you explicitly created the show to be about paranormal experiences you don't have to explain Every single thing that happens is just irritating. Like I'm, I hope the writing improves because maybe I won't hate Scully so much because they'll actually write her better. So,
1: yeah, I do think it's pretty consistent with her character though to like find an explanation for what happened, which. If I had a rain of toads on me, I would probably look at the weather service and try and figure out what was going on, too. I don't don't, think that's weird.
0: to To me, it breaks the narrative. Like, they're doing that, and then Mulder gets the book, but then she comes over like, oh, I figured out the toads. And then they go back to doing the, it's like, whatever. Okay. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, it worked for me. I don't, I think it's fine, but i can not see why me. They put that in there uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> i mean you know it's like i would want to know too and so and i think when i was a kid like when i saw this episode then i started looking up like cases and when that happened with like i don't know i thought it was well see really that
0: and that's why they don't need to explain it because you were inquisitive and you would look it up well, and then, then you would learn because it on she your said own.
1: the tornado thing get picked him up but well, so well if she hadn't it said up, it
0: what would you have thought
1: i would have thought it was the devil
0: well, then, then there you go, okay, well, then, maybe that would have been maybe that would have been better, I don't know,
1: but. I don't know I mean i I just I think like Skelly's whole job on the show is to come up with rational explanations while Mulder comes up with like insane, like not insane but like supernatural and paranormal reasons for things, and so I don't know, it's part of the dynamic, yeah,
0: I mean uh, I. <laughs> apparently scully is responsible for lots of girls getting into stem because they were like scully's cool and she's a scientist and she knows everything you know almost everything she says is usually wrong but then they went into sciences which is a great thing so i mean if that's what made you look that up and then you were into it i i mean i guess it worked i just i hate it it's like just you don't have to explain everything like leave some stuff to the audience to figure out we're not yeah. children, but anyway
1: totally morgan and wong are pretty bad at like over telling (laughs) just in general that's just the thing that i've noticed they do yeah so then we're in class and dave is looking around nervously so he's kind of like staring around and he tries to catch andrea's eye but she like sees him trying to catch her eye and she just like puts her head down and then looks away she's like "Uh uh-uh and the substitute comes in and she's at the front her name is miss paddock and she says that their teacher's out sick today and then she starts to take roll And someone knocks on the door, and Dave looks completely freaked out. Like, he is panicked. And Mulder and Scully come in and introduce themselves, and they say they want to speak with Dave. And so he bolts from his seat, and he, like, runs to the window. And, like, there's stuff on the counter under the classroom window, and he just, like, knocks it all over and tries to push the window open. And he, like, starts to, like, climb through, and Mulder grabs his feet and, like, pulls him back.
0: Yeah. Attractive and smart. Why isn't Dave just (laughs) constantly fighting off attention? I do not know. know.
1: Oh, like, where are you going to go? They know who you are. Come on.
0: I mean, as someone who was a teenage boy, like, teenage boys are the worst, and they really should just be locked up from like age, I don't know, maybe like 12 to like 18, and just kept away from everyone else, and then let go after like some training. I don't know, but (laughs) that's just me.
1: I don't have enough experience with teen boys. I mean, I had teen brothers. But I was kind of a monster, too. So I don't know. I don't know if it's just you boys. <laughs>
0: okay. Wow. Well. Oh. So they are interrogating Dave. And he tells Mulder and Scully that he's not into that stuff at all. Jerry was his best friend. Um, probably they probably worked well together. And Scully asked what made him go out to a place he'd heard was a witch's altar. And Andrea and Kate are also in the room and he kind of like looks over at them, and then he's like, We were just trying to get some. And then Andrea's like, I told you so to Kate, right? So that's what they were trying to do. Right. So God, why they should be locked away until they're like, <laughs> you know, whatever, 18 or 19 or sent to military school or something, or whatever. So Scully asked why he took the book. And he says, well, they didn't know anything about witchcraft, and they wanted to make it sound good. So he never thought it would actually work. And so Mulder asks, if he didn't kill Jerry, then why was he trying to run away? And he says he's scared. He's afraid that the ceremony actually called a devil up or something. Because So he was scared that, I don't know, but the devil was going to get him. I don't know why he ran. anyway." So through the window, we see the group from the parent-teacher committee watching the interrogation. And Jim Osberry says, one of you killed Jerry Stevens. Like, he was displayed according to the rights of Azazel. Like, who else would know how to do that? And they're like, we didn't. None of us. None of us did it. And Pete actually then says that he did go out to the woods because they were supposed to have a mass that night. But no one else showed up, so he left. And he thinks that there's a presence among them and that it killed Jerry.
1: Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So Mulder and Scully walk the kids out of the office and the parent-teacher committee people are incredulous, and they're like, you're letting them go? And Mulder's like, well, there's no evidence for an arrest. And Jim Osprey says, those kids are obviously under the influence of some kind of cult. And Deborah tells Mulder and Scully that they, quote-unquote, reach their children through TV, movies, books. And Scully tells them that the FBI recently concluded a seven-year study that actually found little to no evidence of any satanic cult conspiracies being true at all in any way. And Scully points out that if the rumors of all the cult murders were true, it would mean thousands of people killing tens of thousands of people with no evidence and never being exposed. It would basically be the greatest criminal conspiracy of all time. And Jim Osprey is like, finally, you see what we're up against. And Scully is just like, no, that's not what I said. That's, I said the opposite. I said that this is not physically possible. And Scully just basically is like, well, our investigation's ongoing. He kind of like pulls Scully away. He's like, we can't argue with these people. It's not going to work. So out in the hall, Scully tells Mulder that this is mass hysteria. And Mulder drinks from the fountain and he notices that the water swirls down the drain counterclockwise. And Scully says that's not possible. But Mulder insists that something is here and it's making these things possible.
0: Yeah. And uh, you're wrong again, Scully. And Mulder, you're wrong too. Yeah, The Coriolis force affects things on the macro, not the micro scale. So it affects like the directions that airplanes have to fly to reach their target. And then like storm spin, not like how toilets flush in Australia. That's a rumor. That's not true. Like how you throw baseballs. And if you actually look at the scene, the water's coming in from the left and then it hits the bottom of the drain. And so, of course, it's going to flow counterclockwise. It would be crazy if it actually flowed clockwise because it would have to like revert and go backwards. That would have been weird. But all right. that said, like, I don't, I don't even know what any of that would have to do with witchcraft. But, <laughs> I don't know. But, hmm. Satanic I just, forces are messing with just, the let's water. Just, let's just throw this into the script. Okay. Yeah.
1: I'm guessing Morgan and Wog had like a checklist of things like satanic panic type things and they're just like we're gonna get as many of these in as we can and that's kind of what they did yeah
0: yeah 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 i think did i did i delete that or did i put that in later Oh, there might
1: be later because i i've had the same thought i don't know if i didn't see a note but you might have well
0: no there. i ha- I thought i had a note in there of like if this was going to become like a drinking oh
1: game. you did you missed it oh did i you skip skipped it? it yeah it was a note about how like where is it it's up close where to the top it? Oh my gosh! I, mean, oh no. I saw it earlier. Did I accidentally? Oh, here leave? it is. No, it's after there. It's like right away. It's um, in after the first scene, the second scene after the credits.
0: Oh, this amazing. is gonna
1: be one of those take a drink. Oh yeah, time. I
0: totally skipped over that. Oh, yeah. Okay,
1: and it is. It absolutely is. Like
0: okay, yeah.
1: If you were doing a drinking game for every satanic panic trope, you would be wasted, and your liver would not be happy. Yeah. After this episode.
0: Absolutely. Yes, and now you can see how organized we are, because I don't even remember where my notes are at when I write them.
1: <laughs> We're organized.
0: They're in red, and I still miss them. So, yeah, now I don't even know where I'm at on the script. Dun, 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 dun. So then the class ends, and because class was still in session, just because Dave tried to jump out <laughs> the window, it was still class time. Sorry, everyone else has got to stay in class. And so Mrs. Paddock asks Kate and Andrea as they're leaving if she can have a word with them. So she says she heard what happened and she knows how hard it can be to talk to adults sometimes, especially if they feel like talking because they're young adults. And so they may feel that they want to talk and she wants to let them know that she's there to listen to them. And so they thank her and they leave. And then she pulls open a drawer to put away all the papers. She's putting the papers all stacking them together. And she lays them down on top of a human heart and eyeballs,
1: a human heart and eyeballs.
0: Yep. And those papers are going to have blood on them when she has to turn them back in after they're graded. I don't know what she's thinking. It's
1: not a very but, and sanitary a storage situation.
0: No. Well, you know, yeah. I don't know. So, Andrea, who I'm going to call the hot one, because I was young at that time, so hey, it's not that gross, even though I'm not young now, but neither is she. So, she's only like six years younger than me. So, she starred in a series called 15 that was on Nickelodeon from 91 to 93, and it's actually a Co Canadian American production. It was called Hillside on YTV in Canada. She was also the voice of Bright Eyes in My Little Ponytails in 1992. Okay. She was in Day Two of 24. And then for Tori, this is why I put this in the notes, everybody. She was in Season Two of Dead Like Me in 2004, yeah. and then a tons of other stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember her? Did you recognize her from so Dead So I recognized Lightning, her. I couldn't really
1: figure out where she... Because she looks so much younger and like her hair is different in this one. Yeah, but, yeah almost 10 years different. So, yeah, yeah, she plays a main character in *Deadly Me, and she actually comes in in season one. So there's another Reaper named Betty. Oh, And then okay. Betty leaves and then her character, Daisy Adair, comes in to kind of replace Betty as the other girl in this group of Reapers. And Daisy Adair was like... Her character is a Reaper who died on the set of Gone with the Wind. So she's very like Southern oh. Belle... She, like, all the Reapers on that show are kind of, like, screw-ups, and, like, she works with Mason a lot, who's, like, the drug addict guy who, like, he died by drilling a hole in his head to try and, like, chase the ultimate high. So, these are super great oh, people. Okay. Um, and, but, yeah, so she's, like, yeah. a super main character on that show, so. It
0: seems like hiring stupid people to be Reapers would not be a good idea. Well, you don't idea. get
1: hired. It's, like, it's a system where you, t- you basically pull people's souls out of their body right before they die so they don't feel any pain and so that... Um, their souls don't get stuck in their body to like rot. And um, what happens is after you hit your quota, which no one ever knows what their quota is, the last person that you reap when you hit your quota becomes a reaper in your place. So it's kind of random. So everyone becomes no. a reaper? No, it's the it's, it's select number of people. So if you were a reaper and you got to like person number 500 and that was your select quota, you wouldn't know your quota. You would just get to for person 500 and then you would be done being a reaper. And the person that you reaped on the 500th time that person would become a reaper but the 499 people that you reap before that would not so it's like one oh, just replaces okay. one and so
0: okay and so it, and so it doesn't have anything to do with you in particular it's kind of luck of the like, draw got... but like
1: this group of people okay. are not the most. but it's it's filmed okay. in Vancouver Canada also so I think that's why there's a lot of crossover with the x-files because even though it's like 10 years later it's like filmed in the same area so a lot of the same actors appear in it
0: okay all right so, yeah, and also 15 starred a young Ryan Reynolds, nice. and he apparently hated working on that so much that he almost considered quitting acting altogether during the show.
1: So oh God, I wonder what it was about that show. I don't know. He
0: was in he, he was for all four seasons. He was like a main character. Like she was one of the like she was like a star in it. And then he was like one of the sub stars or like two main stars, I guess. And he's like like the third. So but.
1: That's so funny. And also, by the way, her name is Laura Harris. I don't know if we said that.
0: Yeah, and she actually (laughs) went by Elizabeth Harris in 15. I'm not sure why, because I don't think her middle name is Elizabeth. I mean, it's the stage thing or something anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't care about people's real names. Who cares? (laughs) Anyway. I forget if I said there was a commercial, but there was a commercial after we saw the heart and the eyeballs in the desk. And so commercial. And then we come back from the commercial. We're back at the aptly named Crowley High School (laughs) in the psychologist's office. And Scully is working on a computer outside the office and Mulder is inside talking to the counselor psychologist. And that's actually Pete. Pete, the dude with glasses, is the psychologist. And so Mulder notes that his reports indicate a high incidence of depression, headaches, and eating disorders in the students at Crowley High School. And Pete says that high school, abnormal behavior is almost normal. And so Mulder asked if he's familiar with symptoms of repressed memories. And Pete kind of balks at that. And Mulder asks if there's been any evidence of ritual abuse. And Pete's like, no, none. And so Mulder asks if he can speak with some of the students who have chronic complaints. And Pete says that would be a betrayal of a doctor patient relationship. So, no. So Mulder leaves.
1: Mm-hmm. And Mulder's annoyed at how quickly his concerns were dismissed. And he thinks Pete may be hiding something. And Scully finds an article on the internet about how a murder in the woods has police distressed about the possibility of a conspiratorial organization of dark forces. Ooh. And Mulder's like, Is this from the local paper? And. Scully continues to read it, and basically, it says some pretty horrible Nazi stuff, like the Jew does these types of mutilations in their religious rituals. Turns out, it's from a Nazi newspaper in 1934. But so probably
0: not the Jew it's probably the Jew. Yeah, so,
1: yeah. And the article basically reappears every so often, but like blanks are just filled in. So like, in I guess in this most recent one, Jew has been changed to like occultist, and. Mulder says that most real occultists and Wiccans, and even Satanists, basically commune with nature and don't commit murder, and the presence of witches wouldn't account for the toads or the water going counterclockwise, let alone murder.
0: So why'd you bring it up, Mulder, if it didn't account for it? I don't know, but yeah, thank you. Because
1: he thinks something other than witches (laughs) is going on, clearly.
0: Oh, he thinks it's aliens. Oh, Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Mulder
1: has, like, this secret. He doesn't want to tell Scully yet because he's embarrassed because, like, yeah. if it turns out not to be aliens, he's going to be really yeah. red-faced.
0: It's aliens. <laughs> anyway. So, meanwhile, Mrs. Paddock is handing out fetal pigs for the students to dissect. She's got a big old tub of them, and she's just, mm-hmm. whoop, big old Lexan full of pigs, and she's just slapping them down on their plates, basically, and saying that their diagrams will be part of their larger grade and that they're actually hog fetuses and because like the order, whatever, creatures with hooves, blah, 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 and that you'll get extra credit if you dissect the heart. And then there's one little pig left and she throws it in the tank with a the snake. They have a class snake. And so she throws it in there and there's a student, Shannon. She is sweating and she is shaking and she doesn't look great. And her lab partner says like, I'll cut it open if you do the heart and then we'll get extra credit. She was like, okay. So apparently he does cut it open because then we see the pig laying there and it's open and its heart is beating. Oh, boom, boom, boom. And then the pig starts moving around. I thought it was like, do like a little dance or something. That would have been cute. But it doesn't. And Shannon screams. And yeah. Yeah. And Paddock keeps calling them embryos. And they're obviously not embryos. They're fetuses, right? Mm -hmm. I I think it's another one of those toad frog things. Like all hogs are pigs, but not all pigs are hogs. Hogs are actually usually classified as adult pigs, weighing over 120 pounds. They really wouldn't be hogs. So, you know, way over 55K. I think it's more of like it's writing that sounds scientific, but completely wrong. But I think they just wanted to get
1: some comment about like, cloven beasts or beast with hooves, but it, yeah it didn't make a lot of sense
0: no because they're not embryos and they're not hogs yeah so.
1: did you have to dissect fetal pigs in school
0: no we did frogs
1: oh i did fetal pigs and i could smell the formaldehyde like just once she was passing them out and like this episode because this episode i was so like this was Years before I had to do it in biology, I think it was like 16 or 17 when I had to do it. But yeah, I kept this episode kept playing in the back of my mind. I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. So yay, thanks, X Files, for that. Yeah. Additional trauma in my biology class, which science is not my fourth day anyway. So thanks.
0: Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of which though, I really doubt that snake wants to eat it from all the hideous frog. Like no it's be-
1: <laughs> No, it's gonna be gross, but you know, <laughs> that snake isn't super, I don't know, that snake's kind of weird anyway.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So in the administration office, Paddock is sitting with Shannon and tells her, it's, you know, it's a, this has happened before. Like, some kids just have trouble dissecting things, it's, you know. And so Pete is on the phone, and he's trying to get her father so he can come pick her up. And Shannon's like, no. And then he says, well, your father will be here pretty soon to get you. And she's like, no. And she gets up, and she runs out of the room, and she's running down the hallway, crying and screaming. And Mulder chases her <laughs> down, and he's like, you're remembering Tell me what you remember. And then Shannon wraps her arms around herself and just cries and cries and cries. So, so much for Mulder not leading people on, but oh well. It, la- it was a good uh, while it lasted. Yeah, he's, <laughs>
1: he's making an effort. You know, change takes time. yeah So, outside in the picnic area, Shannon asks Mulder and Scully if they know who her stepdad is. And it turns out her stepdad is Jim Osbury of the parent teacher committee. And her mom used to be a teacher, and her real dad ran off, and then her mom met Jim at some seminar, and they got married. And Shannon was four at the time, and her little sister was two, and they moved to Milford Haven. And a few weeks ago, her class took a field trip to the American Stonehenge, and she remembered that when she was four years old, Jim took her in his car and assaulted her in the back seat. And he threatened her that if she ever told anyone, he would hurt her. And she apparently managed to block the memories out until this class trip and then they came flooding back. And she remembers other people doing bad things. And she remembers men and women coming to her house when her mom was away. And they take her down to the basement, which was painted red and had a dirt floor. And they'd wear robes and sing and chant and they would tie her and her sister up and assault them and make them do things. And it's pretty terrible. Like they called her a breeder and they would make her get pregnant and then kill the babies. And she says she's had three children and they're all buried in the cellar. And then one night, Jim murdered her eight-year-old sister as a sacrifice. And then he told everyone that the sister died in an accident. So pretty horrible Mm. stuff. And also the exact same things that, like, you hear about the satanic panic, right? Like, these are all the things. that they abuse Mm. children and they kill babies and they do human sacrifice. And so it's, like, all those things.
0: Yep. 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 She's had three babies.
1: Yeah, and she's, like 15. Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then they killed her sister when she was 10, because she, her sister was only two years younger than her. They killed her sister when she was 8, so that means Shannon was 10. Okay. So Mulder and Scully pull up to the Ashbury house, and Jim comes running out, like, where's Shannon? Where's Shannon? And Scully tells him that she actually wanted to remain with friends, so they left her at the school. And considering the circumstances... They thought that was a good idea. And he's like, what circumstances? What do you, why wouldn't she want to come home? So inside, he says that someone has obviously put these things into her mind. because They obviously have already told him what's going on. And Shannon's mother is crying. And Mulder kind of gives Scully like a little nod, like towards the mom. And then Scully asks Mrs. Osberry if she would like a glass of water. And so Mulder takes Jim into the kitchen to get it. So once alone, Scully asks Mrs. Osprey why Shannon might have said those things. And she admits that she and Jim have been fighting a lot. They've been having marital problems, but they're committed to working them out. But maybe because of that, they haven't been paying enough attention to Shannon. And she also tells Scully that she and Shannon actually don't get along very well right now and that they've been fighting a lot. And so Scully asks if Shannon has ever been pregnant. And Mrs. Osberry is like, no, she's 15 years old. Like, of course, she hasn't been pregnant. And then Scully asks if she's ever had another child. And Mrs. Asbury says, Yeah, she had another daughter. Her name was Teresa, but she died. So, hmm, start. So Scully asks if she was eight years old, and she's like, No, eight weeks old. It was it was a crib death. And so she's obviously dealing with that still, too. Cause why wouldn't you be still be dealing with that? Right, yeah. So in the kitchen, Jim is filling a glass with water, and Mulder asks him if he did it. And while he he he, squeezes the glass and it shatters in his hand. So he's got some good um, hand strength. And he says he would kill anyone who did the things to Shannon that she claims happened to her. And Mulder's like, that's not a very Christian thing to say. And then he notices there's a basement door. So as as he was saying that, he walks over, he opens it. And off screen, we hear Jim quoting Thou God of vengeance shine forth because Mulder was talking about like, that's not very Christian. So Jim is saying something that is about vengeance and Mulder's like, even the devil could quote scripture to suit his own needs. And then when he says that the door slams, boom, all by itself. And Jim turns around, and he's like, how dare you? And he demands Mulder get out of his house. And he thinks that Mulder actually put those ideas in Shannon's head. And then some Mulder leaves and he shouts after Mulder. He's like, the devil travels in many forms, and you may be one. So he's not happy with Mulder. I mean, part of that's probably showy, but he's not happy with Mulder. So Nope. And Mrs. Ashberry was Sister Abigail in Genderbender.
1: Okay. I thought she looked familiar. So that explains yeah. that.
0: Yeah, I think she's always wearing that thing, probably, in Genderbender. So. Yeah. Covering her head.
1: So back at school, Shannon's in the classroom with Miss Paddock, and there's a fetal pig in front of her. And Paddock asks if she's sure she's up to this, and Shannon's like, I'll be okay. Uh, she doesn't want to miss the final. She doesn't want to like lose out on her grade. So Paddock's like, oh, you know, you should remove your jewelry. You don't want to get your bracelet lost in a fetal pig. And so she hands her bracelet to the teacher, and Miss Paddock goes into the office in the classroom, like the teacher's office, until Shannon is done. So, then in the office, in a move that is not ominous or weird at all, she closes the blinds. And then Miss Paddock lights a candle and she holds Shannon's bracelet over the flame of the candle, like in her hand. And we see Shannon picks up the knife to do her assignment. And Miss Paddock makes noises and her eyes are wide and her hand is like shaking over the candle holding the bracelet. And we see Shannon bring the blade up to her own wrist. And then Miss Paddock drops the bracelet. And then it cuts to the classroom, and Shannon's on the floor, and both her wrists are bleeding, and the pig is on the floor next to her.
0: And it's commercial. hmm Yeah. So I think she's making noises because she's actually burning herself while well, her hand over
1: the Yeah, hand I mean, yeah, yeah, she's making, like, weird, like, move, yeah. agitated noises, yeah. Yeah. So Mulder and Scully, along with people from the sheriff's office, are now in the classroom. And Paddock tells Scully that she heard a crash and came running out of her office to find Shannon on the floor. And Scully asked her if she saw anyone leaving or if she heard the classroom door open. And Paddock says she locks the doors when she's alone because she doesn't feel safe not locking them. And Mulder goes into her office and he finds the charm bracelet on her desk.
0: He's wearing gloves, though. Yay, Mulder's wearing gloves.
1: Yay. So outside, the parent-teacher committee is gathered and a storm is brewing. And Deborah says she feels a dark angel among them and it wants a sacrifice. And Paul says it's been years since they've done that. And Osprey asks if any of them are responsible for the death of his daughter. And Pete's like, we all are. She was sacrificed for us. Now we can get rid of the police and the FBI by blaming it all on Shannon. And Deborah's like, yeah, okay. You say that your daughter had a thing for Jerry and she killed him out of jealousy. And then Paul gets into it and is like, yeah. And she cut out the eyes because she couldn't stand him looking at another girl. And she cut out his heart because she was heartbroken. And Pete's like, yeah, and once they're gone, we need to rekindle our faith rather than lose it. So this is our sign. It's time to take this more seriously again.
0: So inside, Mrs. Paddock tells Scully that she never thought Shannon could do something like that. And she's like, she's kind of starting to cry. And she's like, she's like, maybe she's old fashioned, but she, she just can't believe that children would be capable of doing such things to themselves nowadays. And then Mulder comes back and she noticed that he has Shannon's bracelet. And she was like, she wanted me to hold it for her. And so Mulder's like, hmm. and so he nods to Scully, like, we need to talk a little bit. So Scully excuses herself and they go over and he tells her that the teacher's office smells of incense. And Scully's looking at her notes. She says, well, Paddock claims it was that's to block the smell of formaldehyde. And Mulder says it's also used in black magic rituals. And I'm thinking <laughs> it's also used to disguise the smell of weed. But <laughs> anyway, like you walk by a hallway and you smell incense, you know, they're smoking in there. Anyway, so <laughs> Scully admits that there are some oddities in her story the teacher that she's subbing for developed flesh eating bacteria the morning of Jerry's murder. And then when Scully tried to question the rest of the staff about Paddock's background, no one could even remember hiring her. She just kind of like showed up. So Mulder says the Ospreys are staying with friends. And so he's going to get a warrant for their house so they can search it when they're not there. And he tells Scully to try and find out more about Paddock. Meanwhile, Paddock sees Scully's pen on the table. And she picks it up and holds it. And then the power goes out because there's been a storm brewing. And we heard a couple of lightning thunder things. And the power goes out.
1: So Mulder goes to the Osprey house with a flashlight. Apparently he got that warrant. I don't know. Or maybe he didn't get the warrant yet. Who knows? Um, but he opens the cellar door that slammed shut on him earlier. All, I'm
0: going to get a warrant. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah.
1: Yeah, warrant. A warrant. <laughs> <laughs> a warrant. <laughs> yeah. You're not
0: home. I don't need know a stinking warrant.
1: So he goes down the cellar steps and he looks around the basement and he notices that the walls are painted red and the floor is kind of dirty. And so he's, you know, kind of thinking that does line up with what Shannon said. And then he sees Jim Osprey.
0: Yeah. Ooh, Ooh. He's just standing in the basement.
1: Ooh, not crazy yeah. at all. Meanwhile, Scully's at the school and she's trying to run a computer search on Phyllis Paddock using her computer, but nothing comes up.
0: Yeah. How is Scully searching the Internet when there's no power like in the whole city?
1: Yeah, so I actually, I had that thought too, but I remember in the 90s when our power would go out, our phone wouldn't go out. So you could actually, because the phone, internet but she's used using, to...
0: she's not using her laptop, she's using a computer oh, at the school.
1: Oh, I thought it was her laptop, so I thought no. it was laptop battery, and then I was like, well, she could use the internet because the phone lines would still be up, so that actually no, makes sense. But if she Unless she unless she laptop, dragged
0: a desktop with her, because earlier, when and it's that same screen... It was a desktop computer that she was using.
1: Oh, I thought it was her laptop. So, yeah, I don't know then how, because it's still dark, so the power is still out, so I don't know how. I just assumed it was, like, laptop battery phone lines.
0: Yeah, because usually phone power is different from power power, unless, right. like, all the lines get knocked down, right? Like, right. if the tree falls or something, then you lose both, but yeah. But no, she's using that. She's not using her laptop. She's using, oh, like, weird. A, a computer at the school. Cause She's just, yeah. like, sitting at someone's desk, when Mulder's talking to Pete in his office, looking up stuff. So, and it's the same screen. It's that same kind of black screen with the green stuff.
1: So, <gasps> I was yeah. kidding, it was your laptop. So yeah, I No, don't I don't think then. we've seen
0: her laptop since God, have we seen it since
1: Pilot even? Well, it know. got stolen in Pilot, but I thought she got a new one. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I assumed it was a laptop and that made sense to me, but if it's not then yeah, I don't understand how Oh, it didn't get yet. stolen.
0: It got burned up in the motel, remember?
1: Oh, right, right, right.
0: Yeah. So oh, maybe she, she, she didn't get, maybe it. maybe the FBI wouldn't pay for a new one, so she's just been using the desk. Yeah. Anyway, so Jim tells Mulder that his religion and his family go back seven generations and his family fled religious persecution. He was raised to believe that Christianity equaled hypocrisy and that man's natural tendency would be to do what thou willst. He believed his religion kept him safe and powerful in his community, but he's come to see hypocrisy in others and in himself. And that when the PTC told him to blame his daughter for Jerry's death he felt sick to his stomach that they would be willing to vilify an innocent just to protect themselves and he knew that he was better than an animal at that moment and that his previous beliefs were responsible for Shannon's death and so he knew that it was time to talk to Mulder so maybe he made up the story that they were going to be gone and then was in the basement waiting for Mulder I guess I don't know And then we see Paddock, and she's holding that pin that she snatched over the flame and, like, burning herself. And then we cut to Scully, and Scully's typing on her computer, and she hasn't been having any luck finding anything on Paddock. But then all of a sudden, boom, all this history just pops up on the internet. It's all there. How convenient.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Almost as if it was magic.
1: Weird. So Mulder asks Osbury if he abused Shannon, and he's like never sexually which is not a good answer
0: no not really
1: (laughs) but he does say they would include children in the ceremonies against their will and then he's like but we didn't hurt the kids it's just that young blood is really powerful so having them as part of the ceremonies would help so who knows like he doesn't specify it sounds like maybe they would cut them and use their blood. Maybe yeah, they did. but maybe then later he says there. that they never hurt them. Right. So I don't. Maybe they just having them as part of the ceremony was how their blood helps. I don't I know. I guess. Yeah. But he basically was like, you know, it's like any religion. You skip over the ancient rituals you don't want to do. And so Mulder's like, like drinking grape juice instead of wine at communion. And Osprey's like, yeah, like that. So Mulder asks about Shannon's memories. And Osprey says that they perform a ritual on the children to repress their memories so they don't know about the ceremonies. And then when they hit 1821, they get brought into the religion and told. So she recalled some of the reality, like the red walls on the basement, but she must have mixed in crap from Geraldo and the tabloids. So it's all jumbled in her head and not all her memories are true, according to him. And then Mulder asks if they killed Jerry Stevens and Osprey says no. And Mulder's like... Okay, but you're still responsible. You knew the possibilities of your beliefs even watered down. Did you really think you could call up the devil and ask him to behave?
0: Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Paddock again. She's in the midst of her ritual trance with the pen. And she kind of like knocks the phone off the hook and like dials a number and then picks up the phone the whole time. she's like got her hand over the candle.
1: So Mulder asks who the others are, but then his phone rings. And it sounds like Scully, and her voice says, Mulder, the school, I'm in trouble. So Mulder tells Osprey there's an emergency, but he's placing him under arrest. And then he cuffs him to the stairs, and he tells them he'll be back, and locks him in the cellar, which does not yeah. seem like standard procedure.
0: No, you don't lock, you don't, like, leave someone, like, defenseless and alone somewhere, especially, like we're investigating the murder where people are dying and you just confess to not doing it, but you know, who maybe did do it. And, uh, but I'm going to leave you here cuffed by yourself for a while. I'll be right back. No problem. I what? Like, why would you ever do that anyway? But, Oh my
1: God. No, it's, it's a terrible, terrible plan. It's not good.
0: Yeah. So then we see, so Mulder like gets in his car and he drives off, right? to tend to the school, saves Scully because Scully's in trouble. And then we see Jim. He's crying in the cellar because he's like, oh, I'm the reason, you know, because he you why know, his daughter's dead. He was a stepdaughter. He still obviously loved her, even though like, they possibly like cut her for her blood and stuff. Who knows? But then we see the door like unbolts itself <laughs> and it opens a little bit. And then we see the snake crawling down the stairs. I guess they don't think something to crawl. They slither down the stairs. Yes. Yeah, anyways, going down the stairs and Jim's crying. And then the snake comes down from the side, loops itself around his neck. And he's like, ah, but he's still handcuffed to the stairwell. He can't really fight the snake. And so the snake wraps itself. And it's apparently a gigantic snake. And it wraps his body around him, squeezes the life from him. And then the last thing we see in the scene is that the snake is, like, going towards Jim's feet, like it's going to try and eat him.
1: Yep. Yeah. So Mulder arrives at the school and bursts in and he's like calling for Scully and she's just like working at the computer and she's like, what's wrong? And he's like, you called me. You said you were in trouble. And she has no idea what he's talking about.
0: Yeah. And she's sitting in a desktop computer.
1: So, okay. So, I yeah. see. So yeah, I was just, I assumed it was a laptop and I didn't pay much attention. Well, which,
0: which you would think because there's no power. Right. So which is why I assumed
1: it was a laptop. But like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I don't know, looking that close. <laughs> anyway, whatever.
0: In the cellar, we see that the snake has swallowed Ashberry whole. And Paddock is still focusing on the flame. And she opens her eyes. And she's got slit eyes like a snake. Yep. And commercial. (music) So the snake ate him completely. But... Uh, he was handcuffed to the stairwell. They like snap his
1: hand off. What? I guess so, because like we later, we'll see the handcuffs like dangling there with blood on them. So I don't, I don't know. Yes, okay. No, it's a pretty mm-hmm. powerful snake, and it's clearly so. gotten bigger than it was in the classroom. And yeah, yes. so some magic involved, maybe like a demonic mm-hmm. force.
0: Mm, maybe well, is it even a snake?
1: Who knows? Honestly. Yeah. So Scully accompanies Mulder back to Ashbury's house, and he tells her that Osbury has confessed to conspiracy. He's going to give up the name of his co-conspirators, and Scully tells him that her background check on Paddock makes her think the teacher is not involved at all because she has this total history of being a teacher. So Scully was incorrect about her appearing; it must have just been some glitch in the system. And Mulder sees the cellar door is cracked open, which he locked when he left. And in the basement, the cuff is still hanging on the stairs with blood on it. And there's like this crumpled human skeleton with bits of blood and flesh and goop kind of on it. And it's like on the ground. And Scully thinks it might be some kind of acid. And Mulder sees snake tracks in the dirt. And Scully's like, uh, it would take a python hours to consume and weeks to digest a human being. So that's not possible. But then Mulder finds a snake skin. And Scully's like, well, isn't there a snake in Paddock's classroom?
0: Yeah, to finds a giant snake skin. Right. It is huge. And I don't know if that's a python in the classroom. I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, I don't but know. But this is
0: obviously like whatever aminal works episode. So, And I said aminol. That's professional. <laughs> that's good. I didn't mean it like when I say alien. But anyway. So the parent teacher committee is meeting in the conference room. And they've got some candles. But they're just regular candles because power's out. And apparently Sheriff Oaks called Paul and told him that Jim was dead and that he was also talking to the FBI. So Deborah asks if they, meaning the FBI, killed him. And Pete says, you know who killed him. And he says that Jim had no faith or devotion and that they have to act or the same is gonna happen to them if it's not already too late. So Deborah says they have to assume that Jim gave them up. And Pete says, well, if Mulder knows, it'll make the offering even more meaningful. So they're going to kill Mulder and Scully. And then Mulder and Scully arrive, and Paul blows up the candles, and Deborah tells Pete to lock the door to the office, but he's like, my, my, my keys are gone. He's like padding his pockets, and he swears they were in his pockets, but they're gone. They're missing. Hmm. I hope no one bad has them. So.
1: Yeah. So then there's like flashes of lightning, and we can see the laboratory classroom is completely trashed. And Mulder and Scully enter, and they find Paddock on the floor. And her nose is bleeding, and she's shaking. And she says she came back, and she saw them taking her snake. And she thinks they killed that boy. And they're in the conference room. So Mulder tries to call 911, but he gets a busy signal, maybe due to the storm. So they tell Ms. Paddock to stay there, and they'll lock the door. So they're just going to lock somebody in and be like, hope it's okay. I mean, I guess in that situation, it's a little more... Complicated, but it's not a great plan. Yeah. So Mulder and Scully go to the conference room, and we hear voices that are chanting. And inside, Scully finds a small jar with a pair of human eyes in it. And Paul comes out and he goes WWE with a folding chair on Mulder. And a bookshelf falls over on Scully, and Deborah grabs her gun and holds it on her. And Mulder, like, kind of kicks Paul's butt, but then Pete clocks him from behind and knocks him out. So Mulder puts up a good fight, but Yeah. It's not enough against three people who are determined and angry with
0: the power of Satan. (laughs) So, yes. So, they've tied up Mulder and Scully, like legs tied, feet tied. Mm -hmm. Bowman style music is playing. Deborah's like dragging Scully and Paul's dragging Mulder. They're dragging them across the gym floor and they go into the locker room showers. And Pete's got a shotgun. So, Pete turns on the water in the showers and he says it'll make the blood easier to clean up. So, Deborah has this big like ceremonial dagger and she starts saying "dominos, infernos obus come and raises the knife and then paul and pete finish the statement but i couldn't make out what they said because like the music and the shower and they don't say it at the same time and whatever so she kneels down before a molder and raises the knife and pete readies his shotgun and then deborah plunges down the knife Ugh. and at that moment we cut and we see paddock is holding something over the candle again And then we hear two gunshots. Boom! Boom! And then we cut and we see Pete reloading over under shotgun. And Mulder turns around so he didn't get stabbed. And he sees Pete raise the gun against his own chin. And then Mulder, like, tries to roll over to cover Scully. And we hear the gunshot goes off. And then we see a set of keys fall. And Paddock says, you were right. It is already too late. And she blows out her candle.
1: (sighs) Yep. Yep. And so then Mulder and Scully try to untie each other, and Scully says that it looked like that man was possessed. Like something had control over him. And Mulder says that it's Paddock controlling them. So once they get untied, they like run to the classroom. And the classroom's empty, Paddock is gone, and on the chalkboard, it just reads goodbye, it's been nice working with you. And then all of a sudden, the power comes back on. And it's over. And that's the end.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure how Scully saw his face, because she was never facing that direction, but Okay,
1: yeah, I don't know. Did
0: she need to say something? So yeah, she hadn't had exactly. lines for a while. So, yeah,
1: yep. It's so over. yeah. That's it, and you know the message is like you know this is Morgan and Wong's last episode for the X Files, at least in theory. So I guess that was part of why they put that on the chalkboard. Uh, being cute, I guess I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they yeah. have
0: a they have a bad habit of being cute in this episode.
1: So. Yeah, they do it a lot. So yeah. I guess Morgan and Wong loved to piece episodes together from various scenes they'd come up with, which, like, is not a bad strategy for TV to, like, have, like, lists of things that you'd like to include if you can fit them in or something. Like set but,
0: pieces, right? Like, you have set pieces. Like, this is a good set piece. Like, where can I put this into a story?
1: Yeah, or this might work, but it's bad to base a story around those things, which I feel like this episode was sort of just, like... It was based on, like, if someone dared you to write a script about every satanic panic cliche, and then also a snake eating a man, which was the thing they really wanted to get in there (laughs) for some reason. So anyway, yeah, that's that's what happened. Yeah. And then this is their final episode for a while anyway, because they're going to leave to work on space above and beyond.
0: Yeah. Speaking of space, sort of, we had talked about this previously in one breath i believe when scully Mm -hmm. comes back when the lone gunmen invite Mulder to come and they're going to pick apart earth two on the internet and we weren't sure it turns out it is a television show okay i think we were thinking it was a movie but it was a television show yeah but morgan and wong aren't going to stay gone for long because they're going to be back by season four episode two so they skip season three and then they come back because space and beyond surprise surprise sucked it got canceled so they didn't have a job so they came back to x files but then they only stick around because by the middle of season four they leave again to go work on millennium and then they actually don't return to the x files again until 2016 when they do the little revival miniseries thing so almost two decades later then they return back to the x files wow so and during that time they split up they're not a couple anymore so i mean they weren't a couple they were a writing team but, yeah, But yeah, uh, I th- they like, I a like to think of them breakup. as a couple. So they had a breakup. <laughs> and though they both work on the X-Files, they don't work together. Morgan does his episodes and Wong does his episodes. So I
1: don't funny. know what happened.
0: I would like to know that story. I know Tori said she would like to know that story. I would love to know that story. So like give to know me the gossip. Too. Spill yeah.
1: the tea. Give me some hot gossip for this. Yeah.
0: And then speaking of them being cute. So like in the opening credits for this, they're labeled as James Chargers Wong and Glenn Bolt's baby Morgan because apparently like this episode aired right before the Super Bowl and yeah. they were like Chargers fans but then the Chargers got their asses kicked and didn't even make the Super Bowl so ha but like that's the kind of stuff you do like when you're like doing student films you don't do that when you're working on like a television show on a network you don't do that kind of stupid kid stuff like what are you children and also I said it once before I'll say it again sports will be the downfall of civilization so.
1: So this episode is the first episode directed by the much beloved Kim Manners mm-hmm. and he will go on to direct 52 episodes of The X-Files which is a huge number and a character will even be modeled after him in a future episode and then he'll go on to direct 16 episodes of Supernatural And he had previously worked on Star Trek Next Generation and 21 Jump Street, among others. And unfortunately, he did pass away from lung cancer in 2009. Actually, while they were still working on Supernatural. So Supernatural actually had, like, a thing for him, like, at the end of an episode.
0: Yeah. They have a thing for him in the X-Files revival, too, in 2015. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so one door closes on James Wong and, and Glenn Morgan's butt, and then another one opens for Kim Manners. So yeah, he did 52 episodes, and, like, At the time that he died, there were only 202 episodes of The X Files. So he made a quarter of The X Files. He he directed more than anybody else.
1: That's awesome. That's a huge amount.
0: Yeah. And then we're. Barely only two seasons of X Files, and we've already had a lot of supernatural tie-ins. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of mm, well. Maybe we need to build like an I want to rewatch <laughs> no, Empire. Uh-uh, no. Yes. Doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. Also, I don't think you would like Supernatural. Although maybe I just maybe, I don't know. don't know. Like I liked it for I was with it, so I watched like six or seven seasons of Supernatural before I bowed out. And I mean, it only
0: had like eight, didn't it?
1: No, it had like twenty years. It just ended.
0: Oh, it just okay. ended
1: last year.
0: Oh, I man, that's why people are still talking about it. Okay. Yeah. No, um. it
1: just had the finale. The finale was really, really bad. It was so bad. Because I know I mean, all about it.
0: Honestly, most finales are bad, really.
1: No, this is not good. But, like, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's a very long running show. And it's it had some good moments. Like, I love Supernatural. I love Crowley in that show, who we know is the guy who plays Cecil in fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has I a loved- high school named after him yeah I love Castiel. I like I love the I love the whole dynamic but like they're super awful to women and then there's like, tons of queer baiting and then the it just goes on. It's not that it's a bad show. It's just one of those things where it didn't really need to keep going. <laughs> as long as it did. And I definitely got to a point where I'm like, okay, I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> Although I did come back to watch the musical episode, because if you make a musical episode of a television show, I will watch it. It doesn't matter how out of touch I am with that show. I am there for the musical.
0: Mm. And that was a thing. Didn't that Buffy was a thing. Think. I love that Buffy thing. The, did Buffy a musical, of those too.
1: the Buffy musical is one of my favorite pieces of television ever. So, it can work really well. What was
0: the cop show that was like all musical? What was that? Oh,
1: we talked about that a long time ago. That was in the that was way before that though. That was like the seventies, right?
0: No, I think it was like in the late eighties or early nineties.
1: Yeah, it was a really short-lived show though, and I don't think anyone watched it. Okay,
0: I want to say it was like I don't know, and I don't remember. So maybe I'll. Maybe yeah. we'll, i'll get back to you on that i need to look that up so yeah, i think
1: we have talked about it before i remember talking about Did we?
0: okay i don't <laughs> so, remember talk- i don't remember talking about it but we may have because my memory is shit so yeah yeah i don't know
1: okay but anyway yeah
0: all right well you know what time it is
1: it's ratings time
0: yeah, it's ratings time
1: I'm doing we don't Japan. really have a lot to
0: say about this episode that we haven't said, I think, during the episode, do we? do we? I mean, usually no. we kind of we kind of have some discussion stuff before we go to the ratings, but I think we we're kind of
1: so that's actually kind of how I feel about this episode. like this episode oh. is okay. very run of the mill. like it's right down the center, like it's not. I think especially after coming off Irresistible, which I just like hated with the fiery passion, like this episode is fine. It's absolutely fine. Like it makes logical sense most of the time. Like it's not perfect, but like the story follows the progression. It's a very cookie cutter, satanic panic story where like, Mm -hmm. oh, the adults are secretly practicing the satanic religion and messing with supernatural forces. And then people get killed and, but they're not bad people. But all these things, but they manage to squeeze in like every satanic panic fear that they can. Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. And then the devil comes and says, "Hey, time to die," I guess for some reason, or at
0: least maybe um it was Hazel.
1: Yeah, well, a demon, yeah, yeah of some yeah. kind, like comes and get some revenge. I'm not sure what Shannon did to this demon that she just yeah. That, but...
0: I mean i th- I thought about that because I'm like, well, why did Shannon have? I mean, Jerry, because Jerry was gross. But like, but I guess that's maybe a, another way to get at Jim, maybe. Yeah. I mean, she's going to kill him anyway, but, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, it's fine. If it came on a marathon, I'd probably leave it on until the next episode came on. It's not like I hate it. Oh, okay. I don't have a lot of complaints about it. I just don't think it's super amazing. So I, I'm just going to give it a five, like straight down the middle.
0: Straight down the middle. Yeah. Boom.
1: It's a very middling episode.
0: Okay. Well, so I, hmm, I went into this thinking that I was not going to like it at all. One, Morgan and Wong, right? And it's their last one. And I'd heard all about the like little ha ha jokes they put in, blah, 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 blah. And then i also, after the fact, read some stuff and I had to go back and watch the episode again to make sure that I didn't miss a couple of things. And it turns out that some people just like to write books and make shit up and, and be totally wrong. So that's cool. But I there was one thing that almost everybody said was how it was like a satire on Christianity because we have like these lap Satanists. And so ha, it's super funny. And I'm like, it's not funny i don't know that it's a satire either i think you guys are all just reading shit into it but whatever so but i think i'm gonna surprise you because i think i'm gonna give this a uh i think i'm gonna give this a seven
1: (gasps) wow i am i'm actually very yeah i'm actually
0: i'm actually considering giving it an eight i'm gonna have to think about it a little bit but i'm gonna for now i'm gonna give it a seven part of that maybe maybe i'm just super happy that morgan and wong are gonna be gone for a while i don't know (laughs) (laughs) But uh
1: <laughs> you like Michael Scott when Toby's <laughs> leaving and you're just like, I don't even care. They're out the door. This is the best day of my life.
0: <laughs> like like I may, like I complained about people thinking that like outer breath was like the best episode ever because Scully was back and maybe I'm just like this is the best episode ever because Morgan and Wong are leaving. <laughs> I out. don't know. Um at least for a while. <laughs> I mean I, I think they do I was checking, I think it's like five more episodes, I think, when they come back in season four. I thought it was only two, but it's like five or something. So like, cause they leave like on episode thirteen. They come back on two. I think they do two and four, and then a few more. So I think there's like five altogether. But yeah, I mean, I think i mean like you said. It like it kind of it kind of does what it says. I don't know why they had to use German for the title and for the prayer in the beginning. I know because it sounded good. Because then later she speaks Latin when she's right. going to kill Mulder. So like, why? I don't know. I tried to look and find the actual prayer itself, and. I realized at one point I was I was looking for a prayer because someone had said like it's from a prayer and I realized it actually meant it's from the prayer in the episode, not like a prayer. So like obviously everything on the internet is just like X-Files, 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 X-Files. So I couldn't find like it, if it actually was from something. I was thinking maybe it was like from Goethe or something like they aligned from that and so they took it or I don't know. But yes, I'm not sure on that. And like I have complaints about it, but like it's a cohesive story. It kind of does what it said. It's well acted. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the effects are always, the the pig was pretty good. I really wanted the pig to do like a, I don't know, what was it? There's something where like someone is doing something and like a chicken gets up and does a dance. And I don't know what it is. I was kind of hoping the pig was going to do a little dance or sing a song. Of course, it wasn't because it's X-Files, right? Right. But I was kind of hoping for that. The heart and the eyeballs, of course, look ridiculous. They look super plastic. A couple of the pigs look super plastic too. Um, Some of them look really good and actually might. Actual pigs, I'm not sure whether they were like really good molds. So there's a cup, like the one she throws in the thing for the snake is definitely like a mold of a pig, it's not a real pig, mm-hmm. but yeah, I thought it was uh, it was pretty good. I kind of liked it, it was well shot. I mean, yay! Like, if this is Kim Manners, I'm on board because yeah, it was yeah. very well made.
1: I mean, he's really people really love him, so yeah, so <laughs> Clearly, he's not bad at his job, like, I think no. he brought a lot to it,
0: yeah. So and I loved uh,
1: the frog thing. I think that was really good, just because like no, I'm, that was a
0: I like that. I wish they just left it and didn't have to. Exp- I mean, they they barely explain it, right? I mean, just, right. That's the thing. That's the thing. They just kind of like it's just kind of, it. Just it kind of breaks the scene. Up. It's like it didn't, like you could have cut that out. It would have been fine, in my opinion. Like it just comes in out of nowhere. Like oh, the what? weather, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's like I complained a lot during the episode about little detail stuff, but that's mainly like script stuff. And so, again, maybe I'm just like in my head, I'm just giddy with, you know, endorphins that they're leaving. And so like <laughs> seven, seven, eight, whatever. Just yay. I don't know. But yeah, I'm a, I'll think about it. I'm going to give it a seven. I may go back and give it an eight. Nice. Which would make it the highest rated episode for me this season. But wow. I have decided to go back and give Dwayne Barry an eight
1: okay cool uh, i
0: originally gave it a seven i gone. i went back and gave it an eight because like i really love that episode and i cannot let my hate for inaccurate historical knowledge like take that away so right yeah i just have to get past that part so i went back and gave dwayne barry an eight
1: but yeah, yeah well, so this will, think... get
0: a, this will get a seven and we'll see nice. if i decide to go back and change it later
1: yeah and for me i think coming off irresistible too like helps it a lot because irresistible is so
0: bad (laughs) i've just like irresistible's like out of my head i'm not even thinking about it although i did think that so the the devil kind of uses Mulder and scully to help take care of business in this one like it kind of kind of plays it pretty much right Mm -hmm. and so and then like you know nice working with you at the end and so to me that was like you know hey, Scully, sorry that, like, subpar demon messed with you last episode. <laughs> here, here, we'll take care of some stuff for you. No problem.
1: Yeah, maybe that was it. <laughs> maybe it was an apology. Yeah. Cause Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So pretty solid. Like, I think it's pretty middling. You liked it a lot more. That's great. Whatever the case is. Hey, mm-hmm. that was Diane Diverletts. Yep. And we're now firmly, like, what we're 14, we're about halfway through, right? A little more yeah, than irresistible
0: halfway. was the median because okay, it, 12, so 12 in front, 12 in back. Because this one has 25 episodes. So. Okay,
1: so this is a little more than halfway through. So, so we we're more than
0: halfway. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I recognize a lot of these episode names, which I didn't for the first half of the season. So this will be interesting. Like I don't mm-hmm. have super strong memory of any of them except like humbug and possibly Anasazi. In our town, our town, yeah.
0: I remember. Anasazi, I actually remember, I thought it was actually one of the comic book stories, but it's not. Huh. That was the thing with the comic book. They weren't actually allowed to use any of the stuff for the show or build any mythology that was from the show. It was kind of weird, like, they licensed the comics, but then wouldn't let them use any of the stuff, so... It was kind of weird, like the writer quit yeah. after a year because he was like, I can't do this. You guys aren't giving me anything.
1: Yeah, so, that'd be super hard. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, hard. though, because
0: the comics are pretty good, but they're, there's like a parallel X-Files universe almost because they're not allowed to, like, use any of the show stuff. And so there's a whole, like, comic book mythology that goes along in the comic book. So it's kind of actually kind of interesting. They're pretty good. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But That's yeah, I cool. thought that was the title of one of the comic, but it's not, so I'm not sure. But yeah, obviously, I don't recognize any of these because I didn't watch season two. So episode 19 does have a title that's similar to a movie that doesn't probably have anything to do with the TV show.
1: Yeah. I, mean, I have uh, no idea how to say that. Thought I mean,
0: they basically. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that when we get there. Okay. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that's a little ways away. So so
0: we kind of offhandedly mentioned zombies earlier. Is it true that next episode has zombies?
1: It is. Yep. Ooh, okay. Well, sort of, sort
0: of. Okay, and not like Night of the Living Dead zombies, right? No, like, like 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 like
1: voodoo like zombies,
0: Caribbean zombies. Okay, yeah. Okay,
1: cool. Yep.
0: Cool. All righty. Well, I think we're done with um the hand that injures
1: <laughs> the hand that injures the hand
0: that injures.
1: All Sorry. right. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag Religious to Bedroom Closet.
0: Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians.
1: You can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever podcasts are found. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like the x-files we'd love to have them join us
0: speaking of which be sure to join us next time as we rewatch season two of the x-files episode 15 fresh bones
1: and try to figure out if the truth is still out there, there. Seltzer's.
0: <laughs> I haven't had any bubbly yet either. I've just been drinking coffee and I'm, I mean, I'm, I've got two bottles with me waiting when I finish my coffee and it's going to be a nightmare, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so, uh let's see. So,
1: where does Scully burp at? Where is it? Uh, there we go.